Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Well, Shelly and I have grown up in different parts of the U.S. and, and spent our lives in different parts of the world. Uh, I spent my childhood in North and South Dakota and uh, my, my teenage years in the Chicago area. Shelly grew up in Kentucky and Tennessee and, and in our married lives, we've lived in different places, uh, Florida and the Chicago area and and then uh, we've lived overseas in East Africa and the Middle East. And, and part of what we've learned is that depending on where you live, there's kind of a different value for time, how time is used. That, that uh, in, in some cultures, you know, there's the, the value for time that things need to be on time so I can kind of follow my day and how I've laid that out. And, and in other cultures, sometimes it's, it's kind of a higher value for relationships or people. So if you get stopped along the way, that's, that's okay. And, and it's not that there's really one way that's better than another as it relates to how we handle time. It's, it's just that there's different values. And, and yet, as we look at the life of Jesus and we look at Scripture, we see that God also uses time in particular ways. And that's what we want to get into today as we continue our, our Better Together series, is understand how it is that God uses time, how God uses time. And one of the first things we find as we look at Scripture is that Jesus is before time. John, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, he writes in the first chapter of his account, of the life of, of Jesus, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word that John is referring to is Jesus. That phrase, in the beginning, it's identical to what we find in Genesis 1.1, where the writer of Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is no accident. What John is saying is that before anything was made, Jesus was. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was there not only before matter, he was there before time. He did not come into being, he just was. John was, uh, Jesus was before time, and yet God the Father also chose to insert him into the timeline of human history. It's kind of an interesting thing. And as we look at the life of Jesus on earth, we find a few important things regarding time. I think it gives us a picture into how God uses time in our lives. And the first thing we find is there is a time to prepare. There's a time to prepare. There are 89 chapters between the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 89. And only four give us any information about Jesus' life before the age of 30. Ever considered that? Uh, Mark and John, they skip the subject entirely. Like, can you, can you imagine, like, Mark doesn't even talk about the birth of Christ. He doesn't talk about Christmas. Like, that's crazy, right? But he doesn't. We know practically nothing about Jesus' first 29 years of his life. Only three years, less than 10% of Jesus' days they are visible through the writings of the Bible. Over 90% of Jesus' earthly life was unseen. Yet when people say they want to live like Jesus, I have yet to hear one say they hope to live 90% of their lives in absolute obscurity. That's not what they're referring to, right? 
Yet when people say that, I don't hear anybody say that they hope to remain anonymous, have wilderness experiences, or suffer excruciating pain. Like we're kind of selective on how we want to live like Jesus, right? A little bit, and that's okay. But we need to understand that his character and authority are not isolated entities. Jesus' character and authority, they come with his whole life. 90% of it lived in quiet preparation. Jesus embraced preparation, and it was these years that empowered him to live an eternally fruitful life. And we find this pattern repeated over and over again in the lives of people in Scripture. Abraham is instructed by God to leave his father's house and go to the land that he will show him. You want to know how old he was, how long he'd been preparing for God to tell him that? Seventy years This is why I love people advanced in years. God speaks to people advanced in years. Any amens? You better say amen. He does. The question is, are we listening? God told Abraham his family would be a blessing to all nations. And then five years later, God makes a covenant with Abraham and tells him he's going to have a son. Do you want to know how many years that took? 25. 25 years later, Isaac is born. Preparation was an important and ongoing part of Abraham's life. Jacob, he spends 20 years working for his uncle Laban. Moses spends 40 years tending his father-in-law's sheep in the desert. David was anointed king by Samuel a prophet when he's a teenager, but it took at least another 15 years before he became king. Paul, after his conversion experience with Jesus, he goes and spends three years in Arabia studying about the life of Jesus. And this is after he's already spent 10 years studying under a great teacher in Jerusalem and another 10 years before that studying in synagogue in Tarsus. Preparation is a vital part of following Jesus. And I would say this, if there's one thing that we seem to want to rush in our culture, it's this one. But there's something valuable about preparation. The writer of Psalm 1, he reminds us that we will yield fruit in due season if we value time in obedience to God's word. So let me say this. Let's not despise our times of preparation. They're vital. If you intend to form Jesus-like character and walk in his authority, So during our times of preparation, what do we do? We spend time in God's word. We learn about Jesus by reading the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We spend time in prayer. We serve alongside others, discovering how God has gifted us for the life that he has for us. There is a time to prepare, but we also find there is a time to be initiated. There's a time to be initiated. After Jesus's years of quiet preparation, we find he emerges from the Galilee region to be water baptized by John the baptizer. Reading from Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. And here's what I love. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Do you think we have to earn the fact that God the Father loves you? Absolutely not. Initiation moments, they're incredibly important events. The baptism of Jesus, this initiation moment was important because God the Father declares over the Son. The Father declares what every human heart wants to know. He declares a transcendent truth to anchor the soul of Jesus for what he's going to face in the next three years. He declares something we all need to know as part of our initiation into the kingdom of God. He declares, you are loved. You are a child of God. And he is pleased with you. But how many of us believe that? 
Jay, you are loved. You are a child of God, and he is pleased with you. Isn't that awesome? I love that our God in heaven declares that over our life from the very beginning, from the very beginning. Hawk, you are a child of God. You are loved, and God is pleased with you. Isn't that awesome? I love that. God does those things in our life. He speaks that over us, those moments of initiation. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you can be confident that you were loved and the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's during your time of preparation, time spent with God through His Word, spending time with His community, the church, and time in prayer that God begins to build this truth into your heart. But in order for it to be more firmly planted, there's also a time of testing, we find. There's a time to prepare, there's a time to be initiated, but there's also a time to be tested. Shortly after the baptism of Jesus, we find the Spirit of God. I love that it's the Spirit of God that leads him. The Spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Why? Because every believer must face a time of deconstruction in order to experience the new life that Jesus offers us. We talked about this during our message on suffering a couple weeks ago, that our false self must be removed so that our true self can then emerge. And this happens as we wrestle with a a couple of important truths, and we've been covering those. The first one that we covered in the message on Jesus and suffering, we discover in times of difficulty that life is hard. But the good news is, Jesus is with us in those hard times. And we find that God, no matter what we face, he can bring all things together for our good. So although life is hard, we, we still have to wrestle with these truths Here's the joy. God is Emmanuel. He's with us in the middle of those things, and he keeps us and he protects us and brings things together for us. The other truth, uh, we learned a couple of others. One is that life is not about us. We are not in control. We talked about this last week in our message on uh, Jesus and God's will, the will of God. You see, we're a part. We're not the whole. And that's good news, because what that means is we don't have to figure it all out. God's got it. God's got you this morning. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to figure it all out because God has already done that work. We just need to rest in him. We can trust God to do that job. Life doesn't have to be about us. We don't have to be in control. So we see that life is hard. Life's not about us. We're not in control. And in our times of testing, here's the fourth important truth that we find. We find out that we are not that important. So good news this morning. Like, wait a minute. Didn't you just say that I'm loved? I'm a child of God. He's pleased with me? Yes! But you're all of that before you ever do anything. But for whatever reason, the way that Jesus has to work in our lives is he has to help us understand that that's enough. What God speaks over our life before we do anything, it's enough. We don't have anything to prove in the kingdom of God. And that should release some things in our life, release some good things in our life. The only reason Jesus can tell us that we're not important is because he's already announced to us our infinite and unearned importance in God's kingdom. He's already announced that over our lives, so in wilderness experiences, it's okay for him to say, look, you're loved. You don't have anything to prove in my kingdom. We already talked about if you make this decision to follow Jesus, he has spoken this truth over your life. God's already declared our worth, so what else are we looking for? But here's the thing, I think the problem is, I think we have a hard time believing this. 
Maybe the reason it's so hard for us to hear from Jesus that we're not that important during our wilderness experiences, which is meant to relieve the pressure of us trying to live a performance-based life, maybe the reason this is hard for us to hear is because we don't believe the words that God spoke over us to begin with. Maybe we don't believe that. We have a hard time allowing Jesus to destabilize our false self because we don't believe we have a better true self. But let me tell you this morning, you do. There is something inside of you God is wanting to bring out that says what you have built up around your life is meaningless, but I can bring you meaning. We think our personality, our self-image is maybe all we have. And this is a problem in the culture in which we live. We end up crawling over one another, competing with one another, and defiantly asserting ourself in in private importance, which we think is our only possession in, in terms of who we are. But during wilderness experiences, Jesus is trying to show us the limitations of our knowledge, the limitations of our own power, and our false self. He's trying to reveal it. Yet when we look at our Western, here's, here's part of the problem in the way that we've reinforced this. If we look at our educational approach of, of parroting answers and passing tests and getting grades, we're programmed to think we do know what is important, which would then make us important. But God the Father, let me say this, he's already spoken your worth. He's already spoken it. And we need to rest in that. You don't have to try to prove to be anything other than what God has made you to be. So pass the test of embracing the truth that we are not that important so we can stop trying to be. We can stop trying. Jesus has already made us important as children of God. That's enough. Embrace wilderness experiences as part of God's process. They may come in the form of a move, a, a job change, the death of a family member, a spiritual retreat, or, or maybe even a difficult work environment. There's lots of ways that we can enter into wilderness experiences. And when these wilderness moments come up, they come in many forms, but in them, Jesus does deep and important work in our lives, so long as we continue to abide in him. So that's what we need to do if you're in that spot right now. It's important we take time to prepare, to accept our initiation, and then embrace times of testing. And then we recognize that there's also times of waiting. How does God handle time? Sometimes there's times of waiting. Reading in John chapter 7, Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come. Because of the intimacy Jesus has with God the Father, he knew what he was supposed to do, even the time in which he was supposed to do it. We find earlier in the same New Testament book where Jesus shares, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. During our God-given timeline, there's going to be times of waiting. We see this for the disciples when Jesus ascends to heaven after his resurrection. They wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in Jerusalem. Paul, after encountering Jesus, he, he waits in Damascus for the Lord to bring Ananias to where he was staying. And something I find interesting, in all of these events of waiting, people are actively waiting. What were the disciples doing when they were waiting for the Holy Spirit? They were praying. What was Paul doing when he's waiting in Damascus for Ananias to show up for several days? He's praying and fasting. So as we wait, it's important that we actively wait. If you find yourself in a time of waiting, spend time in God's word. Journal, pray, fast, give, and know that a time of waiting, it's temporary. But yet it is important because it usually is part of further preparation that God is doing for whatever's coming next. God prepares us, he initiates us, he tests us, he asks us to wait, but then there's also a time to go. There's time to go. Although Jesus was before time, 
There came a time when God's kingdom arrived on the scene, on earth, in the person of Jesus Christ. The time of God's kingdom was fulfilled. This is what Jesus declares after his time of preparation, initiation, and testing. He comes out after that time, and here's what he says. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. After a season of preparation, after initiation and testing, times of fulfillment come. Times of waiting, times of continued preparation will continue to come throughout our journey with Jesus. So it's not that you just have one linear path, it's that these things sometimes intertwine. And that's okay. But we need to remember that after times of waiting, they're followed by times of fulfillment or going. God had been waiting thousands of years. Talk about patience. He'd been waiting thousands of years to intersect earth with his cosmic plan of redemption. And there came a time when the waiting was over. The time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God was at hand. So our great missionary God sent his loving missionary son to fulfill his great plan of setting people free, which is part of what we heard about this morning, this invitation that Jesus came to set us free. And it was a plan that led Jesus to come to earth as an infant, spend 30 years in quiet preparation, a moment of profound initiation, a time of testing, times of waiting, and times of going. He went to Capernaum to share the good news, and and after an incredible day of ministry, so he'd been in Capernaum, he kind of reset his base, he moved out of Nazareth, he moved out of home, he moved in with Peter. But after that, here's what Jesus says, let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. After about three years of ministering throughout Judea and Galilee, Jesus then sets his face on Jerusalem, he goes to Jerusalem to accomplish what he set out to do. After Paul spends his three years in Arabia, waiting there, he went, he goes throughout all the Roman Empire, preaching the good news that Jesus came to set us free. So after a time of waiting, it's important to maintain a God-listening heart to be able to receive whatever instructions follow because God sends us. It's God's desire that he sends us. He sends us to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our family, to our friends. He may even send you to a job in another city. He may send you to the nation's. And our waiting should prepare us to say yes, to allow Jesus to then put the where on the map. Part of God's plan includes going. So the question this morning is, where is God leading you? If you've been through those seasons, if you're walking out of a season of waiting, where is he telling you to go? Because God prepares us, he initiates us, he tests us, he asks us to wait, and he tells us to go. And putting it all together, here's what we find in scripture. There is God's will, there is God's way, and there's God's time. Those three things are important. God's will, God's way, and God's time. Our times of testing, waiting, and going, so they occur as moments or seasons, and so they'll intertwine. It's not this single movement that we're on. As we journey with Jesus, we'll find we cycle through these times. Sometimes we're waiting, sometimes we're going, sometimes he's preparing us. But part of how we work through those times is we remember how it is that we fulfill God's will in all of those times. So what we shared last week covers that. How do we find God's will? We find God's will as we read his word, as we read scripture. We find God's will as we spend times in prayer listening to him. We we find God's will as we talk with other believers, and this is why it's so important we maintain community, because part of us finding God's will is through others. But then how do we fulfill it? We fulfill God's will as we read his word, 
as we read it, but then we walk it out, we obey it. Transformation does not occur through just hearing, but also doing. So when you read it, are you doing it? That, if you are, you're fulfilling God's will. But then part of fulfilling God's will is not only just reading and doing what is explicitly stated, but then we apply it to other areas of our life. And the last way is, as our character is reshaped by us doing the word of God, what happens is eventually you start looking a lot like Jesus. So that when you get bumped, it's Jesus that comes out and not something else, right? That's how we fulfill God's will. So as we're going through whatever phase that we're in in time, we still need to find and fulfill God's will in that time. But then we also find that God has his own way, his own way of accomplishing things. We talked a bit about that with Jesus and suffering. God will work through hardship, not the way I would choose, but somehow that's what God does, and he works through it in wonderful ways. Another way that we find that God works is sometimes you've got to go to point B before you can see point C. How many of you ever had that experience? Like you couldn't see around the corner, but because you were obedient for this step, now you can be obedient to the next. I always tell people, look, if you're not sure what God is telling you to do, go back. What's the last thing he told you to do? Did you do that? If not, start there. Because he can't speak the next thing until you follow the first thing, right? That's part of God's way. But then what else does he do? He does things in his time. Times of preparation. Times of initiation. Times of testing. Times of waiting. And times to go. So how are you doing finding and fulfilling the will of God for your life? How are you doing trusting God to work things out his way? And how are you doing identifying what time you are in and allowing God to work through those times in his perfect time? It's important as we journey with Jesus, we find and fulfill God's will. We allow God to do it his way and in his time. But we also find it's vital to remember that life is eternal. This is so important. If we're going to talk about time, we've got to talk about this point. Life is eternal. I've shared this example before. I felt like it was worth repeating. It's been a couple years, and now people online are wondering where I'm going. I'll come back. Anybody remember the rope? If you've not been here, you don't know what I'm doing. Here's the thing. Life is eternal. This part represents your life on earth. What do you think the rest represents? All of eternity. It goes out the door. It never ends. And yet sometimes we get so caught up with this time, we forget this is what we've got ahead of us. So may we always keep that in mind. We've got to keep that in perspective. As we talk about time, we've got to consider this is but a blink. And I'll say this, you talk to somebody in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they'll tell you it's a blink. They'll say, where did time go? How do I have a 50-year-old son? You know it. If you're in that age bracket, that, you've probably said that to your kids. Like, happy birthday. How do I have a 50-year-old son? We know that that happens. But that's what we're considering. As we consider time, so I'm just talking about this time. In this small section of time, we have times of preparation. We have times of initiation. We have times of testing, times of waiting, times of going. And those can intertwine in the middle of all that. But then we're with God. No more preparation. No more waiting. We're just with God. I don't know about you, but I look forward to that time. But I also want to make sure that in the in-between time, I'm fulfilling what God wants of my life. Because God has prepared good works for you, in case you don't know. And he allows us to enter into those times as we remain faithful to him.
Here's what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. So even in this small segment of time, he's made this beautiful. Every section of that is beautiful. He has planted eternity in the human heart. You have eternity written on your hearts, ladies and gentlemen. It's written there. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. It's hard for us to see it in this lifetime. But you know what? We've got a lot of other time to understand the ins and outs of what happened in this time, right? And God will give us that time. Jesus is coming again. We will all go home one day, forever, either when Jesus comes again or when Jesus calls us home. So as we consider God's will, God's way, and God's time, let us not forget, time does not run out in this life. It carries us right into all of eternity. Your life with Jesus starts now, and it carries on. It carries on. So let's have the right perspective regarding time. We are eternal. We have eternity written on our hearts. In this life, there are times of preparation, times of initiation, times of testing, times for waiting, and times for going. So let's seek to find and fulfill God's will in the middle of it all. Let's seek to find his way and his time and trust him to work all things out for all of eternity. He'll do it. This is actually God's best for our life. This is God's best for your life. We can trust God to work all things out in his perfect timing. So what time do you find yourself in right now? Ask yourself that question. Hopefully as I was working through those different segments of time, you could identify where does God have you right now? Have you allowed God to prepare you? Are you sitting in that time and and enjoying that time of preparation? Or are you simply trying to get to the time of fulfillment without God? Don't rush that time. Allow him to prepare you. Are you allowing Jesus to remove your false self during wilderness experiences? It's important we do that. Do you believe, do you know that you are loved, a child of God, and that God is pleased with you? Are you living in that truth? Because if you land there, the rest can work itself out. If you find yourself in a time of waiting, I encourage you, actively wait. So maybe that's where you find yourself right now. Read and obey God's word. Pray, give, serve, fast. All of those things we've talked about. That's how you actively wait in the in-between time. And then if God has asked you to go, go. Follow the leading of the Lord. Trust him in your going. Scripture tells us he's prepared good works for you to do. Why wouldn't we want to enter into those good works? I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. I'm going to move this out of the way. Nobody wants to see a musician trip, right? Maybe some teenagers do. I don't know. Oh, here's the thing. I know your youth pastor would, so I'm just following that. Hey, if you're here this morning and you realize walking through that message today, God has a time for you. And maybe this is the first time you've ever considered that. And maybe this is the reason, the reason this is your first time is you've never considered that God wants a relationship with you. You are uniquely made by loving Heavenly Father, by your Creator. And He wants a relationship with you, and He wants to reveal the time He has for your life. So maybe today you just now realize that for the first time, and and you would say, well, I don't want to just be floating through life. I I want to be intentional in the time that God has for me here. And, And the way that you start that is by saying yes to Jesus and His plan for your life, by by saying, Jesus, I accept your invitation to follow you. So if you're here today and you'd like to make that decision, now is that time. 
With every head bowed in the room, this is a moment for you to say, Jesus, I want to respond to you as my loving creator. I want to follow you in the time that you have for me. I want that time to be intentional. Who here today would say, I want to follow Jesus and his plan, his time for my life? Who here today would say, that's me? God, we thank you that you, in your gracious and loving ways, you lead us, you guide us, you direct us. You have a plan and purpose for all of these segments of time in our life so that we can step into the new life that you offer us. A life that's fully alive. What an invitation you give us. And so God, I pray that if there are those here today that maybe have not accepted an invitation, that you stir in their hearts that as we dismiss, they don't go out the back doors, but they come to the front to say, you know what? I need to accept that invitation. I didn't raise my hand, but I know that's me. So God, I just pray that you would work that in their hearts right now and they would determine that I'm gonna say yes to Jesus today. And God, I pray for those that are here that have maybe walked through these times of preparation and initiation and testing, and maybe they've been in a time of waiting, but now you're speaking to their hearts to go. God, I pray that you would work that in in such a way that they just could not help but respond and actually follow you to go to their neighbors, to go to their workplace in, in, in a way that maybe they've not before with a new mindset of who those people are that they're working with. That they would go to family, go to friends, Lord, that they would maybe, if, if you're leading them to a, a job in a new city, that they'd follow that leading and trust you there. Lord, if you're laying upon them a, a heart for the nations, Lord, I pray they would go to the nations. God, I just pray that we would be obedient to your calling on our lives, trusting the good works that you've prepared for us to enter into. And so God, I, I pray that you would cement these words in people's hearts today. And Lord, may we above all remember that life is eternal. This isn't all there is. So let's use this time that we've got for the best kingdom purposes we can, knowing we've got the rest of eternity to spend time with you and other believers entering into your goodness. We trust you for that, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.